Today's scripture reading is from Deuteronomy 8, verse 11 to 20. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you out water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Like the nations that the Lord makes to perish before you, so shall you perish, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. This is God's word. Thank you, Timoth- or Tiffany, for reading God's word for us. Uh, greetings to you, church. I would just like to take a few moments. I know that not everyone is in the building right now, or at least in this floor, but I think we ought to recognize those who are here among us representing uh, mission organizations. They could be at home listening to Tim Keller, and still they've come today. So I would just like to take a moment to introduce a few folks. Uh, Not everyone will be in the building. I'm guessing some are, are still downstairs setting up, but Let me just say I'm so grateful to have Pastor Andrew and his team from the convention. Go ahead and stand, brothers. Uh, This is a team that leads the mission initiatives for our Singapore Baptist Convention, and these guys uh, just flew in last night, and so I'm grateful that they have come. Uh, I think it's a good idea for us afterwards to ask what in the world are Singapore Baptists doing together? Uh, I know what we're doing separately, but what in the world is worthy of Baptists who are famously independent and autonomous uh, doing together? Also, Kim Ming and, you know, they're always here, Kim Ming and Biao Kang. Uh, so great to have the national leaders for navigators here, and I believe you brought some staff with you, Abner and Jolin. Thank you all. Stand and let us see you. Thanks for being here. Our own uh, Sylvia Chong is here, and she's with uh, Kok Hyung. Am I saying that right? Sylvia, are you in the building? Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Sylvia. And they are here representing crew. Uh, Dr. David Tan is here uh, representing Wycliffe. He's here with his wife, Sharon, and also with a staff member, Grace. Are you? There they are. There. Oh, several people. Thank you. 
they are really dedicated Baptists in the very back row. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here. Um, uh, Young Hong, I don't believe he's here, but he is the uh, mobilization, mobilization manager for OMF. I believe he will be downstairs after the service. Are, are you here, Young Hong? Let's give him a clap. Let's don't act like we only clap for people who are here. And, and also, um, a dear friend of ours, a former colleague, many of you know that this church was actually started by an American missionary and a Hong Kong partner, Dorcas Lau, who came uh, after they were kicked out of China to this island. Um, Susan Strupp is with the IMB. She serves in uh, Taiwan, and she is here with us. Uh, the IMB is a little bit different, so Susan is not here looking for support. She's not raising her support. Her support is provided by 40,000 Southern Baptist churches in North America. She is just here to give us information on the most unreached peoples in our region and how we might partner together with other organizations to reach out to them. Now, oh, Susan, are you here? Sorry. Oh, yes. And downstairs, a question you might ask her is, hey, why don't you look Taiwanese? Uh, I, I asked the question, you know, what, what can pastors honestly do for missions? I, I asked that question because, honestly, uh, often we are in the front. We're, we're often promoting something. And I, I feel like if we do not promote the very reason why we exist as believers, then we're, we're not doing our job. Now, if you have your ministry guide, you will notice the collection for April 2018, and we're, we're not getting the job done, not in terms of missions. We're, we're, it's just not happening for us right at this point. The good news is, GBC, you are an extremely generous church. In, in fact, I don't do math, but I realize that in the past two years alone, the giving of this church averaged more than $9 million dollars a year. And we're sitting in a building that is a result of that. The other good news is we have all the resources we need to make our missions budget. The tricky thing is it's, it's not actually in our offering bags yet. So, so I, I don't actually have a lot of extra income, but, but I feel obligated because leaders go first to make some sacrifice for missions. And Sherry and I are going to make sacrifice. Next week, we're going to have our missions offering. It's not the only time you can give during the Great Commission Month. You can go online and give to a designated missions fund. You can also designate, take one of those brown envelopes all through the month and give, and all through the year. So I begin to ask myself, what can I do in terms of sacrifice and motivation? I, I don't have rental property. I, I can't give a, a month's rental income. Uh, you know, I, 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 I have two kidneys. But... But one of them has a cyst, so I'm pretty sure I can't get much for that. I have three children. Apparently, that's illegal. So what can I do? Well, um, some of you may have noticed that I've begun to grow some hair on my face. It's a sacrifice because, number one, Sherry, Sherry hates it. And number two, in Canada, we generally grow a beard in the wintertime to save money on scarves and, and shaving cream. But in the tropics right now, I don't really advise that you, you know, wear a winter coat on your face. 
However, I decided I might be able to motivate some of you because there are some of you who are worried that I'm bringing down the standard of GBC. I don't always wear the tie when I should. I sometimes roll up my sleeves and I sometimes grow hair on my face. So I just had this idea that I will not shave until we raise our mission ambition. So, so I checked, every year for the past 10 years, we have given, on average, $350,000 to missions. That's not designated missions, that's just designated to the blue bag for missions. So, so we also give, you know, some of you think I want to give to my friends, so you give through the church that way. I'm just talking $350,000 over 10 years, that has been flat. I believe we can do more. Why? Just look around you. We can do more. I'm guessing that in a hundred years, archaeologists are not going to say, let's go climb the great pyramid of Grace Baptist Church. I don't think in a thousand years, archaeologists will be digging up this building and saying, amazing civilization that was once there. This will be gone. But we could be investing in eternity. I'm hoping to challenge you to raise our ambition to half a million dollars, I believe we can do it. And as you just heard, with a certain um, terror in your hearts, I I'm committed to not shaving. Because I thought to myself, imagine if on, you know, Reformation Sunday, I actually looked like John Calvin. <laughs> in, in, in fact, I just happened to have a software on my computer that extrapolates what I would look like if I didn't shave. This is why we send the children out. This is why we send the children out first. I would be reaching back 500 years to my Scottish ancestry with those Scottish warrior braids, beard braids, unless we decided missions matter more than our pastor being an idiot on stage. Just a challenge. I'm going to make a big thermometer. I, I was always impressed. Kim Meng had this, or sorry, Kim Cheng had this, this big thermometer, and every time I walked into GBC in the old building, remember that? We would see how much, we're, how we're doing. I'm going to do it again with my face. Yeah, okay. Now let's get serious and try to unsee that. Here is the word of God to us, taken from Deuteronomy chapter 8. And let's pray together as we look at this together. Father God, uh, we've come cluttered. Our hearts and our bank accounts are full of obligations. We invite you by your spirit and word to declutter our hearts now. Help us to know what is truly, really important. Do this for your name's sake and for your glory among the nations, we pray. Amen. Uh, so many years ago, when I was uh, young and a youth pastor, Sherry and I were living in California, 
And for a long time, I felt like California would be my international mission field. But because it was youth pastor, um, and we had a senior pastor who guarded the pulpit, I preached three times, which meant my Saturdays were free. And so every Saturday, Sherry and I would take that time for work in the house and for me in the yard. And so I remember this one particular uh, Saturday, it must have been getting near summer because it was very warm. I left Sherry in the kitchen to do whatever she was doing in the kitchen, and I went out to cut the grass. We had a front lawn and a back lawn. And um, by the time I finished the front lawn, we didn't actually have a power mower. We had a push mower that you had to push and the blades spun um, because I was a youth pastor. And, and so it was definitely work. And we also had a dog, uh, Malamute, Alaskan Malamute, which was about, I don't know, 35 kilos. It was a monster. And that meant before I pushed the mower, I had to collect other stuff. It was 35 degrees, but it was a dry heat. It's California, so it, it was okay. But by the time I finished the front lawn, I was uncomfortable. But I wanted to impress my wife, and I wanted to model for my two young toddlers. And so I went straight to the back and began to cut the, the back grass. And by the time I was done, it was 40 degrees. And I was seriously dehydrated. So like any dehydrated man, dehydrated man would do, I stumbled into the kitchen where Sherry was busy washing and cleaning, and I said, I'm going to die. If I don't get a drink, I'm just, just going to die. I'm so dehydrated. And I couldn't help but notice that, that she was cleaning everything. Not, she, not that she's OCD, but she, she'd pulled everything out of the cupboard. She had already disinfected all the baby bottles, all the baby tipper cups. She had taken down all the glasses, all the dishes, washed it. She'd even been recycling. She'd taken an old jam jar, washed it out. It was sitting there, an old used mayonnaise jar that she'd washed out with only half of the label. And then she had even reached up. She got on a, a little step stool and reached down and took down four Hungarian crystal goblets that her grandmother had given her. They, these were precious to her. At one time, I have no idea what happened to them, but they were beautiful, cut Hungarian crystal. Each one had been dipped in 24 karat gold. She had brought those down, hadn't yet washed them, so they were covered in dust and one dead roach. So which of those glasses do you think a dehydrated man would take? No, see, see, you are not very impressed with my IQ. No, I didn't take the crystal goblets. I took that big, fat mayonnaise jar because all I was looking for was big and clean. So here is a reminder to us. All of this month, we are focusing on living out the purpose for which we exist. It is a glorious thing that God created generosity in His people. And because of that, we now celebrate and minister out of this building. But this building is not the purpose for which we live and draw breath. If we would 
exist on purpose and for His purpose, we would realize that missions is not about where we go. It's not about going somewhere. It's not about even doing something. It's about being a distinctive, countercultural people who are living among the nations for the praise of His glory. We do not have to spend money on jet fuel in order to do missions. And let me remind you of one other thing. This, all of this text, this entire series is taken from a sermon by Moses. And and notice that Moses was not saying to this people, now I want you to separate out a special subset of Hebrew people so that they can be missional for God's glory among the nations. This was a message for every single person that God had called into a covenantal relationship with the Most High God who was holy, holy, holy. And He called them to be holy, holy, holy among the nations. This is why the prophet Ezekiel preached a difficult message to the people of Israel when he said to them, I'm not acting on your behalf. I'm acting on behalf of my great name, the name that you people have made an abomination among the nations. This is a message for every one of us who has been called by this holy God, adopted into His family, and called to be different, different different. You see, we are a people who know. Remember last week I said that that Hebrew word, the base of it, actually, we always say holy. The primitive root of that word means different. We're a people. We, We get that we serve a God who is different, different, different. The most different God. And yet we want to be same, same, same. God has called us all to this missional task of making His glory obvious among the nations. And if that is all of our calling, it doesn't matter how gifted we are. Did you hear me say in past years, I ran for 15 years from my call because I was a stutterer. I was tongue-tied. I was desperately shy. I didn't have any gifts. It doesn't matter about your talent. It matters, are you clean or not? This old mayonnaise jar lost the label already, even has a crack in it, but it's clean. Maybe you're already past your best buy date. Maybe you're already thinking, well, I, I, I served a lot when I was younger, but now, you know, my retirement age is... It's time to move on to other things. You may be flawed. You may be cracked. Let His glory ooze out of every crack. It's not how gifted you are. It's not even your shape. And so, the first point he makes in this introduction, take care to conform. Verse 1 says this, The whole commandment that I command you today You shall be careful to do, that you may live 
and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. Remember, the purpose is our good, but His glory. It is good for the people of God to be all about the glory of God. So be careful, he says, to do all that he has commanded. The, the, the people, all of the people were called to this. In the New Testament, the apostle Peter said it this way. It was read for us earlier. Therefore, preparing your minds for what? Action. I look around Singapore, I see a church preparing our minds. Our discipleship is so content-based We're the most biblically literate people I've ever encountered, and we have served in multiple different countries. I've never encountered a Christian population that's involved in so much Bible study. Prepare your minds for action. Being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, be also holy in all your what conduct? It's not enough to have a good message. If the messenger is not viewed to be reliable, the message will be ignored. I am struck by the women who are gathering next week to pray for the prodigal. Some of you know my story, the long hair, the earrings, black nail polish tattoo. You, you know something? I, I don't think I was ever rebellious. I don't think. I don't think I was a prodigal. I think the church made me a prodigal. Because if, if you looked like that in 1976... The church ladies every Sunday told me what a bad testimony I was. One New Testament professor told me, Ian, you may go to heaven, but you'll smell like fire when you get there. The church made me a prodigal because they were holy in their mind, but not in their conduct. I want us to conform to the holiness of God. Because if we don't conform to a God who is different, 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 we'll just be a religious version of everybody else in Singapore. Peter was reflecting the sermon of Moses for those who were God's new children, who had been adopted. Moses was calling his people to conform to his holiness. He was calling on them literally to act themselves into a new way of being. You know how that happens? These guys didn't just show up on the planet looking like that. They acted themselves into that way of being. More rice, or I suspect in one case, more beer. You know, that's why there's this secular saying, we are what we eat. That's a being. So, so they decided at some point to be different. And they acted themselves into a new way of being. It can happen. 
Now, now I would like to see, you know, honestly, sometimes I don't feel like showing up at church. I'm just, just saying. Sometimes I, I, I wake up in the middle of the night, okay, this morning, and, and, I, and I thought to myself, I, I don't have much to say. I'd, I'd rather just get up here and say, I, 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 don't, I don't have it. I, I tried, but I don't have it, so bless you, and let's go fellowship with the missionaries. But the message is on acting different. And so becoming different. The second thing is not just take care to conform to His holiness. Take care to remember. Verse 2 says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that He might, what? Humble you. Why? Because if I'm not committed to conforming to His holiness, if I'm not acting myself in a new way of being, I'm just fellowshipping with Pharisees. I'm just filling myself with information that informs me because I'm here and they're not, I must be better. I just adapt the rules to my already current lifestyle and sanction that, sanctify that. Remember the whole way that the Lord God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that He might humble you, testing you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep His commandments or not. You know, I, I, I get, um, you know what we're talking about? Remember your story. We just sang, I love to tell the story. Like sometimes we call this a testimony, right? And, and I get that in this um, new era of re-embracing Reformed theology, there has been pushback on testimony. I, I hear some people say, you know, it's not about you. We don't need to hear your story. You need to know the content of the gospel. It is the gospel that has the power to transform. And I absolutely agree. We should have a good understanding of the simple concepts of the gospel. That God is holy and righteous, and yet He will judge a sinful people. And yet He loves and, and demonstrates mercy. We should understand that. But, but if I have understanding of the concepts of the gospel, but I've never experienced the power of the gospel, what story am I going to tell? Because you see, what we're doing when we share our testimony is we're actually demonstrating how God interrupted my pathway and wrote my salvation into the story He's writing among the nations. It's really about me giving a testimony about God. It's God's personal testimony in you and in me. Remember. All the way He has led you. Secondly, remember the story not just of your liberation, but remember the story of your sanctification. Uh, this is a challenging one. He humbled you. He let you hunger. And He fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that He might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing didn't wear out on you. 
your foot didn't swell up these 40 years, know then in your heart that it is, excuse me, as a man disciplines his son, so the Lord disciplines you. Remember last Sunday I talked about why it's so important to tear down the altars, to burn up the Asherah? It's because it's our religion that informs our culture. And our cultural idols inform every corner of our lives, right? We have a cultural idol in the 21st century, especially in the first world, that informs our theology. Our cultural idol that we bow down to is what? Comfort. And because we have a cultural idol of comfort, every single week our leadership hears about the building too cold, the building too hot, sound not good. And we, we interpret discomfort as what God, God is not pleased with me. What if God is just squeezing you? You know, if you take a sponge whatever, and squeeze it, whatever is in that sponge is kind of leaking out, but not unless you squeeze it. If God's glory is in Ian, can I tolerate squeezing? So that his glory would leak through all my cracks. Can I tolerate that? For the Lord, the writer of Hebrews says, disciplines the ones he loves. Show me the parent that does not discipline their children, and I will show you a child that does not really belong to them. We tend to not discipline other people's children. But because we love our child, we discipline that child. The Lord disciplines the ones He loves. For most of us, Job is the model of a righteous man who had everything, and then the Lord said, fine, take it all away. And we have this image of this man who is so miserable, he doesn't even have proper medicine. He's taking broken pottery, sitting in ashes, scraping his oozing sores, surrounded by self-righteous friends who tell him it must be you. And then there is Hosea, who married the woman of his dreams, who turned out to be a nightmare. You see, sometimes God wants us to do more than tell a story. Sometimes God invites us to be the story. Be the story. Walking around, flesh and blood of God's grace and mercy. And when you're squeezed, let His glory be obvious. What about this brother? This Christian brother, two years ago, was governing the largest city in our region. And then an election gets charged with blasphemy, two years in prison, and while in prison is discovered his wife has been having an affair for seven years. And, and maybe you just put your picture up there because you've had a tough time. Things are difficult for you. Maybe you're like, I, you know, I'm just like Job. I'm just like Hosea. And our first response, because we've been bowing to that idol in, in our culture, is, God, why me? I mean, I'm a good person. Why do bad things happen? First, no, you're not. There is none good but God. There is none righteous but 
Secondly, sanctification has a purpose. The purpose of sanctification is not to prepare you for heaven. We have the blood of Christ for that. We will come to this table in a few moments celebrating that the blood of Christ has made us, declared us righteous, and prepared us for heaven. No, discipline, difficulty, when the Lord squeezes us, when we encounter hard times, it's not to prepare us for heaven, it's to prepare us for missions. Because it's the clean, the holy, those who have conformed to the image of His Son that God would use among the nations. So, He says, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God by walking in His ways and fearing Him, for the Lord your God is bringing you to a good land. And you shall eat and be full, and you shall bless the Lord your God in the good land He has given you. Finally, Beware of amnesia. Take care you don't forget. I mean spiritual amnesia. Here's when things get dangerous. Why? Because when the Lord brings us to that good place, when we are already enjoying a good lifestyle, when things are good for us, when we stand for 20 minutes in a long queue for our favorite Hokiemi, on that day, we will either bless the Lord our God by walking in His ways and by fearing Him, or we will forget the Lord our God who brought us liberty, who fed us, and brought us to this place. So, how will we know? This is a big section, so we're going to just run through it. We will know that we've been brought to a good place. We've enjoyed lavish provision, verses 8 and 9. We've eaten and are full, verse 10. We've built good houses and we live in them, verse 12. All that we have is multiplied. If you're my age, I'm willing to believe that you have more than your parents had. You have more comfort. You have more cars, you eat more, you have money in your bank account, you have more leisure time, you have more holidays, you have more of everything. When that time comes, beware, lest you say in your heart, my power, my talents, the might of my hand, my merit, brought it to me. I've shared this before, that my parents on both sides, our grandparents, came from Scotland as immigrants. The Lord brought them to a new land, a land not flowing with milk and honey, flowing with, I don't know, beavers and maple syrup. 
And they got there to a land that was already populated with people from many nations, mostly from Europe. And before long, they began to bow down to the idols that those nations bowed down to in Canada. It was work hard or die. Nobody wants to worship die. And in one generation, devout Presbyterians never darken the door of a church. Except for my uncle once removed named Mark Buntain and my father whose name was Bob Buntain. We say it differently. Our family says Buntain. Every other Buntain left church. Do you know that Canada's national anthem is a prayer to Almighty God? The third stanza is, Ruler supreme, who heareth humble prayer, keep your dominion in your tender care. In 1949, 79% of Canadians were in church every Sunday. But then in the 50s, a Baptist pastor began to call on Christians, get active in the marketplace, impact legislation in Parliament Hill, save the trees, declare Canada a nuclear-free zone, feed the hungry, be active in social ministry. The result of that passion in 2000. 16, 3.5% of Canadians are in church on any given Sunday. The Holy Spirit didn't come to empower the Canadian church to save trees. We are not gifted to impact Parliament. He didn't come so that we would get our man in Ottawa and then in, two, or sorry, in 1985, the moral majority was founded in America by what? A Baptist pastor. The ambition was to affect the marketplace, impact the White House, mobilize Christians to vote for our candidates. And so in 2017, they elected a president. They sent him to the White House. Why? Because he would get us out to the nations sharing the glory of God. No, so that we could keep the nations out. We got our man in the White House. Is it so that we could give more of our income to missions? No, so that we could keep more of our stuff. Change the tax laws. Let me keep my money. You see, God did not send His Son to die on Calvary so we could get a Christian man in Ottawa or in the White House or even here in Singapore. He calls for us to be Christian men and women saturated with His Spirit. He calls on us. Okay, I'm going to close with this. I, I need to admit... Probably some of you have already suspected this, but I, I do have some idiosyncrasies. I kind of walk around the house with my toothbrush in my mouth, just like this. And so, just so you can feel for Sherry, she's having to constantly decipher my accent because it's full of toothbrush in my mouth and also usually toothpaste foam. 
I don't know why I do it. It's kind of a comfort for me, maybe because ADHD, I have to always do something with my hands. It helps me every once in a while. But the problem with that is I get distracted easily, and, and sometimes I just put my toothbrush down. And so the other day, I couldn't find my toothbrush. And, I, and so I did what every man does who doesn't really like to look for stuff. I said, sweetie, have you seen my toothbrush? And just as I said that, I saw it on the kitchen sink. And, I, and so I picked it up and, and, and put it in my mouth. And she said, right at that moment, as I was thinking, there's something different about this toothbrush. She said, no, I haven't seen it, but don't, do, don't be using the one on the kitchen sink. I've been using it to clean mold. So, that toothbrush was holy. It was set apart for a specific person and for a specific purpose. God have mercy on the moldy toothbrush. Because this is His word. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish just like all the other nations. Do you think Israel gets a pass all the time? Do you think we, GBC, get a pass all the time? Beware. When you begin to use this temple, designed by God for His glory, when He purchased us with a price. And we go off scrubbing mold. God, have mercy. But here's the good news. Jesus is not Ian. I'm not going to clean that toothbrush and use it again. But because of this table that represents the blood and sacrifice of Jesus Christ, even this moldy toothbrush could scrub other garbage for 15 years and still find a place. I, I don't know where you've been. I don't know how you've been using the resources that God designed to reach nations. But this table says we can come back. This table says He washes us again. Come, let us reason. Though your sins be as scarlet, they will be as white as snow. I want to invite you to bow with me for just a moment as we prepare our hearts to come to this table. We are returning this to this table. And uh, let me say uh, to those of you, maybe you're not a Christian, uh, there's nothing magical that's going to happen in, in this moment. Uh, this is just really a dry wafer. Just really is watered-down Ribena. Nothing magical happens. 
But if you're not a believer, I just encourage you to let it pass. We, we don't believe that we can make anybody a Christian by taking and receiving these elements. And if you are a believer, and you've been scrubbing mold, this is a meal for sinners, but it's a meal for repentant sinners. That's why the Apostle Paul said to the church at Corinth, that was a mess. Examine your hearts before you come to the table. Don't eat and drink the displeasure of the Lord upon yourself. So as we bow before the God who is holy, 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 as we prepare to come to His table, do you need to do some business with this living Holy Creator God, the God of the nations, do you need to come home and say, wash me, oh God, let me come back? Because here's how he views prodigals, not like an older brother, but like a grieving father. At the end of the drive, longing, looking, yearning. For you to come home. Father God, we grieve at times because when we read your word, we suddenly realize how far we have fallen. We are offended by our own righteous indignation. We suddenly see our own mold and are horrified by it. So God, respond as a faithful God. As you hear all across this room prayers crying out from broken hearts, will you receive us back? Will you forgive us? Will you cleanse us anew with your righteousness, we come with nothing of our own. How we bless you. That for hundreds of years, as your people's efforts to keep the law consistently failed, you had a plan. And you were the plan. How we bless you. That we can now boldly come into your presence sit before you at this table and remember the sacrifice of the perfect Lamb of God. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.